0: Hi, my name is Marie, and I'm a very grateful member of Alana. Um, I have to have a. I, I when I first started speaking, I couldn't speak for five minutes. Now sometimes you can't shut me out, so I have to have a an alarm for making me stop. <clears throat> um, I came into the program in uh, February 22nd of 1974 and as Betty said it's 45 years and what I've learned by just that number is that there is never ever a stopping point at which we have enough God or we have enough program or we have enough transformation however you want to look at it but um My husband and I, my husband's Mickey, and and I don't know, some of you may know him. He speaks a lot uh, around the country. Um, And we have a really, really good relationship now. We've been married 48 years, and uh, we have grown very, very close. But the other, no, (laughs) This this is a good but, okay. The other night, at 3 o'clock in the morning, we started talking. I don't know why we love to talk at 3 o'clock in the morning. but, And we started saying that, yes, we have a great relationship. But we want better. And it goes along with this, you know, working the program, transforming, being letting God into our lives. And there is never enough intimacy, and vulnerability between people, and the only way we've ever been able to do that is by speaking the same language of AA and Al-Anon, in the steps. So I, I want to encourage you not to uh, think that there is a point at which you know it. You know, <laughs> you just know this thing. I have all the the words down, but there's a different thing that. You know, it has to get into your heart, and that comes at a very slow pace, and it comes continually, and I hope, until the day I die. <clears throat> I was born in Indianapolis, so I'm a Midwesterner. I feel very comfortable being here in the Midwest. Um, and I was born of a normal family family. I didn't have alcoholism in my family. Hold on. And we were, uh, we were just what you would call a normal family. I was the baby. There were two brothers, a cousin, and a sister, and my parents. My parents were older when they had me. And they were a little bit tired of (laughs) having kids. And so I was, um, not because of that, but I was um, kind of left to the side. When my dad, when my mom was dying, my dad got into a very, a mood of of telling everything kind of off the top of his head and and he said you know when when they had their third child, it was like he had a boy and he had a girl, and now what is he gonna do with a third child dot 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 what do you do with a fourth you know so I learned or I intuit two Principles, because we do live by principles, whatever those principles might be. My principles happen to be run or disappear. And so I found it very um, self protective, very comfortable, uh, very successful to run or disappear. So My brothers and sister found it a great sport to tease me and to make fun of me. And my nickname from the time I was very small was Elephant. And uh, the reason wasn't because I was fat, because I was just a normal kid. But uh, my, my, uh, my brothers and sister had... Really normal noses, you know, like these little teeny tiny pug noses, and I have this awesome nose. <laughs> and so um, that was their that was their way of loving me, I guess. And so I was called Elephant, and um, it was tough. Not that's not the worst you know, teasing that anybody's ever had. But, you know, for me, I was a very, very quiet, very private, and very scared little girl. I remember um, when I have a picture of my growing up time, we had a very large house, and I was in the, uh, the extra wing of the house. And I remember sitting at the top of those stairs... And the family was down in the living room laughing and watching TV or doing something. And I was separate. I was totally separate. Now, this is a normal family. This is not like an alcoholic family. You know, I was just separate. And I didn't have the capacity to, to connect with people. And uh so going along, my, my, my father was a very, very strong personality, as were my uh, brothers and sister. Very, very strong personalities. And I wanted to disappear. I wanted to be a shadow. So that was my one of my tools. Um, went through... When I got to high school, um, my my, uh, running and disappearing, but my running, I, I think I coined the name ghosting, because I would have somebody interested in me, and I might go out with them for a couple of times or whatever, and then I would just disappear. They would never hear from me again. And I did that and and it it just seemed like absolutely reasonable to me, you know? Don't confront a person about, you know, I don't want to be with you anymore or anything like that. Just leave. So I I really got very good at that. (coughs) Um, And they say what goes around comes around. And just before I left for college, uh, I really felt like I had fallen in love, and we were talking marriage and you know it was it was wonderful and and he ghosted me and it it really tore me up, so in my running, I ran from Indiana to Colorado. None of this has anything to do with alcoholism. remember oh, I wanted to say that um, part of my profile so one of um, my really good friends in high school said to me one day she said let's go get some booze and get drunk in the parking lot and this will tell you how I'm different from you I said why? makes no sense to me. You Why? Know? But I ran, and I ran to Colorado. And my solution sometimes is change everything. You know, throw everything out and become a new person. So <clears throat> that was in 66, uh, and the rule was you had to take drugs, drugs, sex, and rock and roll. Okay. I didn't know the rules. So, four years condensed into a sentence, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And so There is, there are three powers. Now, mind you, I, I was, I was absolutely incapable of connecting with people, uh, of allowing myself to be part of anything. Uh, the smoking pot was really about, you were doing it, if I did it, then I'd be a part of your life. But you know, you know the disconnect in that. Same with sex, you know, you try. this is a connection, and it's not. makes it less connected. Um, rock' and roll I never really liked. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it was a part of the scene. so. So, this is and the, the three powers that will knock you off your horse and turn your life upside down. And that's God, love, and alcoholism. And so, right at the end of my time in college, the first thing that happened was God. Now, I was not raised with God. In fact, my father was a militant atheist. He, uh, had been raised in West Virginia and his mother, he he was a brilliant guy and his mother, he he was interested in the stars and he would talk to her about it and, and she said, you're going to have to choose between science and God because they don't mix. And so he chose, at 16 years old, he chose science and he ran away from home. And he put himself through high school. Uh, he ran to Indianapolis. He put himself through high school and college and then went to Johns Hopkins and got his PhD. Brilliant man. Very, very nice man. Brilliant, but hated God, and so that was what I was coming from. Was this, you know, kind of well, a total disconnect from God, which is fine. He didn't, he didn't push that so much uh, till later, um, but I got, I had absolutely no concept of any kind of higher power when I was growing up or when I went away to school, and so. Um, One of my last uh, activities before everything changed was that I went to a rock concert in Macon, Georgia in the middle of summer. Terrible. Um, And and for the time uh, up to that point, I had been doing a lot of pot, uh, mescaline, you know, basically... And to tell you the truth, I really didn't like it. I mean, I, it was it was something to do and it was a way to fit in. That's it, okay. So I was at this rock concert and I had had a fight with my uh, boyfriend. I had bad taste in boyfriends. But anyway, um, I had a fight with my boyfriend and I, so I was walking around the, the concert uh, area when somebody came up to me and said, Hey, take this shit. It's great. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, that's smart, right? Just take some drugs from somebody who just walks up to you and, you know, pop it in your mouth. And <sighs> yes, I did it. <laughs> so I, this was my first and, and uh, last, hopefully. Uh well. <laughs> Experience with acid. So, <laughs> so I, I took it and I went out into a field and sat down. I guess I was out there for ten hours or something. <laughs> I, so what happened was, mind you i have absolutely no concept of a higher power except that it's it's really a stupid concept that very poor people you know bring into their lives to make them feel okay about being poor that's what my dad thought and so so this huge hand comes down and it unzips my head <laughs> opens it up, washes it all out, puts it down, zips it up again. Says, don't do this anymore. And I believed it. I believed it. I, I went home to Indiana. I had hair down to here because I was pretending to be a flower child. At least that's what everybody thought. But, it, you know, I mean, it was a, an image. So, And went home, cut all my hair off. Stopped taking drugs. Went back to Denver for my last semester of college. And everything changed. So that was the God power coming in for the first time in my life. Now comes love and alcoholism <laughs> to push me off my horse. And like I said, before that, I would run or I would hide. And here comes Mickey. And i he was a folk singer and I was a... a uh, waitress uh, across the hall in a different restaurant in a hotel that just had a hallway between the two. And so I would go over there and listen to him sing. And he would come over to our place and have a drink, whatever. And we got together. Three months later, I was married. <laughs> Told our daughter, don't do this. This is not a good thing. But... As it turns out, that was 48 years ago. Now, you know, that sounds very simplistic, but the fact of the matter is it's hard work. It's very hard work. So <clears throat> I meet Nikki. I am a shell of a person. Honestly, I, I think uh, God forgot to give me a personality until that time. Okay? I was I was empty. And he comes into my life, and and whereas every other guy that I had hooked up with, I I couldn't have cared less. And so, you know, walking away from them was really nothing, okay? So, but Mickey took me by storm. He had passion where I had none. He had commitment where I had none. He had enthusiasm where I had none. He had, uh, he loved me where I had no love for myself. He loved me like in a snap of a finger. It was God because, I mean, he saw me, and he tells this story when he speaks, but he saw me. And two minutes later, he said, I will never let her go. Uh, whatever it was, it hit him. And I have to admit, I ran for a while, uh, a week or so. And <laughs> then he caught me. So I didn't have the option of running because love and alcoholism are more powerful sometimes than our wounds so um, I was pregnant when we got married um, we didn't wait very long uh, but actually uh, we waited two weeks and, and that was miraculous <laughs> you know um, so my parents were actually strangely okay with that. They uh, I went home and I said, "You know, I'm marrying this guy." My dad at one point had uh, he, he had a philosophy that that you let your children do whatever they want and find their own right and wrong. But you're turning over this job to a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old or whatever. And I had no idea what was right and wrong. I had no idea what was good for me and not good for me. And But he did at one point try to be directive for me. So he said, don't marry a Catholic. They have horns. Don't marry an alcoholic, they never get well. Don't marry a musician, they never make any money. And there was one other, and I can't remember it. I'll figure it out later. I did all four. I did all four. And he was... At that point, he was he was good enough, uh, in uh, fine enough in his heart that he said, well, go ahead and do it. So Mickey visited and they liked him and they came to, to Denver for the wedding and and Mickey and I got married. Mickey and I woke up the next morning going, OMG. <laughs> what did we just do? We were babies. We were both uh both twenty-three. Mickey hadn't turned twenty-four yet. He's just a little bit older than me. We we're both twenty-three, and we were babies. We had absolutely no tools to do this thing. He was in the middle of his drinking. He uh, uh, he drank for three years into our marriage. Uh, it, it was it was so new to me that I, I didn't know what to do with it. I thought, well. This is what all guys do, I guess. You know, they drink and they don't come home at night. And they, you know, and, you know, he wasn't abusive. He was just drunk all the time. And we had our baby. And we named her Amy for the French word for friend. Uh, Fifteen years later, she's standing in the kitchen going, You've been married for how long? <laughs> and how old am I? And you know, and then she started grinning. So it was not a big deal, but you know. So then we started our adventure, and the alcoholism and the love prevented me from running. And I, you know, I'm I'm really grateful because, uh, you know, getting past the first forty years. That's good, <laughs> and actually it was 20, but uh, <clears throat> so it's challenging to be married to an alcoholic and not be an alcoholic. I, I, I don't know that it's worse if you're an alcoholic being married to an alcoholic, but I know that it's very challenging, and because it's so hard to understand the thinking of an alcoholic, they're doing this stuff. They know better, and they keep doing it. You know, and you, and and then and honestly, I was much happier when with Mickey when he was drinking than when he was trying not to drink, because his depression would just flow over him. And I did again. I didn't know anything about depression. I just knew about numbness, you know. So here he was, and he was like up, and then down, and then up, and then down. And I just watched it. And the alternative I had to running was hiding. So what I did was that I went into that little girl and just hid and I became what I was supposed to be. I was a good wife, I was a good mother. I just did what I was supposed to do. Empty inside, empty, and no medicine. I had no medicine to take care of that. Uh, you know, oftentimes when we talk, you know, A.A. to Al-Anon, we say, you know, our our diseases are very very similar. Um, They're not the same. They are not the same. But the Al-Anon has no medicine. So what I did and what most of the Al-Anons that I know is that they they leech onto an alcoholic and, and they get their stuff, their drug, from the alcoholic because it's like It's just a symbiotic relationship, you know? You go crazy and I go, wow, I'm not crazy. They're crazy. (laughs) And they get depressed and you say, whoa, he really needs me. And they get pushy and I got little. Best way for me to describe my Deep down disease is that I get little. And so I would get little and he would do his stuff and fill in the holes in my personality. I was very lazy. He would, he would do all the living and I would just kind of look and watch, you know, and get little. So, um, three years into our marriage, we're saying, maybe we should commit you to the nut house. I didn't see his drinking all the time. I mean, you know, um, it says that you know we're actors, and and he was a great actor, and and uh, he he didn't show me his daily drinking, um, but I knew he was nuts. Really. Didn't know he was nuts. And so we were talking about committing him, and um, one of his um, high school friends, uh, the wife came over one time because I guess I was babysitting for her daughter or something. And the wife said, Oh, you know, Mike is uh, hiding in the basement now. He won't come out. I have to take his food down to him in the basement what she says yeah he's totally insane and he's he's hiding and he's doing this and 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 uh, and and Mickey's listening to this and he, because it was one of his old drinking buddies you know and and it's kind of a mirror for him and somehow that got him thinking and this this wife had gone into al anon and uh, was giving us some of the stuff she had learned, you know, about dry drunk and and, and Mickey had kind of tried off and on to, to not drink, so but he was crazier than when he was drinking, so, you know, he was asking about dry drunk and all this. And she he said, Where did you learn this? And she said, In Al Anon and so it kind of got the, the wheels turning and and um I was also babysitting for a, a friend uh, for her daughter and she would come over and she would tell me that she was in Al-Anon. Or she, would, she said she was in this group. And it was really cool because uh, it was free. And we were really poor. And it was free. And you got to sit there and be with people and talk about stuff. and uh, But the only problem is you had to qualify by having a friend or family member uh, with alcoholism. And I'm like, well, my dad didn't drink, and my brothers didn't. I'm, I'm trying to find an alcoholic so that I can qualify for this thing. And, I, I mean, I'm really searching my head. So I went to a, an art class one night, and, and when I came home, M- Mickey said, I have called Alcoholics Anonymous. That's like what? I mean, it really did not occur to either one of us that alcohol was the problem. But he said, I've called Alcoholics Anonymous, and they're going to come over. And I'm going, I can qualify now! <laughs> I can go to these cool meetings and and have friends again, because I, you know, I didn't. And so they came over, and the first thing that the guy said was, I just want you to know you're just as sick as he is. And it was really weird. I mean, I'm so sane. I'm I'm like long-suffering. I'm kind. I never tell the truth. I'm absolutely doing my roles the way I'm supposed to do them, and I'm just as sick as he is? He said, so you go to Al-Anon, and I'm saying, yeah, I qualify, and that's great. And and so we started on this trip. Um, I am really grateful that it never took a hiatus. We've been in. Mickey was at his first meeting the next day. I had to wait a week to go so he's held that over me for 45 years. (laughs) He's been in longer than me, right? So he knows more. So, anyway. um, I went and these, these meetings were really cool because people cried and they talked and they, you know, and it was like, it was it was like watching Mickey, you know it's like you know these people could could do this stuff, and I would watch them and it it didn't it, it touched me, but it didn't make any sense to me and so finally, well just like Tara would say, I started sponsoring right. <laughs> I, I wasn't doing the program, but I was sponsoring, you know, and <laughs> I was I was patting people on the head saying, oh, I'm so sorry for all this stuff you're going through, you know, I mean, that was my sense of how you sponsored, and <laughs> I am truly, truly a slow learner. So, at seven years into the program, it occurs to me that I don't know anything about anything now the preparation for that was that I um, I had a sponsor I've I've had numerous sponsors all of who left the program which made me very nervous because you know what am I doing that they're leaving the program after they sponsor me so and they were all named Judy every one of them Judy, Judy, Judy. So, but the second Judy said to me, when I was two years into the program, she said, um, now there's a rule in Al-Anon, and of course I don't know that there's not a rule in Al-Anon, that at two years you have to sponsor an Al-Teen group. I didn't know what the heck you know she said it well her daughter's Alateen sponsor had quit and she needed an Alateen sponsor so so she lied to me and so God is so kind he put me into this Alateen group God bless those kids you know they're they're having the sponsor who doesn't know anything hasn't worked the steps doesn't you know and I'm in there, and they're saving my life. And I, I was doing that for about 15 years, <laughs> and they are saving my life because I, I never had, it was like emptiness. My growing up was emptiness. And they're filling in the teen years and the preteen years. And, and I'm getting to be a child, and they're, Alateens are, are magic. They have none of this, you know, well, I'll look good or act good or, you know. They have none of that facade at all. They just are raw. And they'll say what they're thinking. And they'll say, you know, God is an SOB. Or they'll say whatever, you know. And, and they saved my life. One of the kids in that first Alatine group, I'm sponsoring as an Al-Anon 45 years later, 43 years later. What a blessing. So, I go in and I sponsor this group. They saved my life and at seven years I'm going, I don't know anything. I patted my sponsees on the head and said, "Go find somebody who can really sponsor you." I'm going to fall apart now, so I fell apart. But not, you know, not technically. I, I just absolutely. We have a set aside prayer, and and I hesitate to say that because, because at that point I did. Unbeknownst to me, I did the set aside prayer. Everything was gone. Every belief, every uh, tactic, every everything was gone. I couldn't. I couldn't function in the program except to sit there and listen. And I was absolutely new. And I would cry through the meetings, especially eight and nine, um, which should have told me something right there. But. Um, I just listened, and I started getting and see i i i'm a a good mimic, so um Mickey at this point um had a relationship with God, and so it made sense to me that I would mimic his relationship with God. It made total sense that that you know I would I would do what somebody else did to get the same result except that I was pretending and I was acting and I was, you know, um, I was not doing it truly. I was just there. And I realized it it was not going to work for me. It was not going to get into my heart. It was not going to heal me. It was not going to transform me. And uh, fortunately, the, the people that I talked to at that point, they said, you're falling apart is because you have started doing this work, not because you didn't. Because uh, if I didn't, I would stay the same person I had grown up as. So so into the program. Um, my finding God was, was an interesting thing because, you know, I had such prejudice against God as I was growing up. So my very first experience with God, uh, they had said in the, in the meetings that if you don't know what to do, pause and ask God for the right thought or action. So Mickey had, All the words of the program, you know, the rap. So he could, he could take whatever he wanted to do and, and, and justify it and back it up with the, with the the big book. So he came (laughs) home one time and he said, Marie, he said, you are a really bad housekeeper. And your housekeeping practices, Are threatening my sobriety (laughs) and I have to leave so he said he had to leave so um, oh my god you know I have I have two kids by now and little kids I didn't have any way of making money I didn't know what to do and I'm scared to death he's gonna leave and I'm going to be on the street that's my first reaction and it came to me pause and ask for the right thought or action okay I don't even know if there is a God but if there is a God give me the right thought or action and we were sitting kind of knee to knee and I said Mickey I'm so sorry you have to leave and I knew there was a God absolutely absolutely that didn't come from me that did not come from me his jaw dropped he never went anywhere and he helps with the dishes now he's a good housekeeper I'm still a bad housekeeper, not as bad, but I'm, anyway. So, you know, we've had so many of these kind of uh, situations where we've had to kind of come to terms with what's going on between us, you know. Um, we call it a dance, uh, you know, he comes home and he says this, I have the same reaction, I do this, then he reacts to that, and he does that, and it's like the same thing every time, and, and we're dancing. Not in a good way, we're dancing. <laughs> and the really cool thing about the program is that you can address that, and we would say, okay, let's talk about the dance. What are you doing? What What's going on inside of you? How is this? happening inside of you and then he gets his voice and then he says what's going on inside of you and then I get my voice and then we pray and this latest thing where we've decided that we really need more intimacy with each other we don't go to well let's get a counselor we don't go to well okay let's uh, start golfing together or you know We go to God. We say, God, we have no idea why there's still this little barrier between us. You know? It's not big, but it's enough that we want more. God, what do we do? Without managing. That has been the reason why we're still married forty eight years later, is because God is the author of the solution. And we know that. Um, if, if we thought we were the author of the solution and, and, and that uh, yes, the steps are important and yes, the steps are part of the solution, but the steps are not the solution. God is the solution. Allowing God deeper into my life and Mickey lo- allowing God deeper into his life is a solution so at 12 years in the program Mickey decides he's going to leave and we had what we had done uh, what I had done some of these are new new understandings some of them are old but some of them are new I had taken the the route of hiding. Okay. So I don't know what to do with this very intense intimate relationship. So I hid. And the way I hide is that I find a role or two or three or four and I just do the role. I am good wife, good mother, good Al Anon member, good Whatever. And I could play those roles, but they were just, you know, they were this deep. And underneath, I'm alone and scared and little. And I had retreated. He was a a powerhouse that I didn't know how to control or deal with. And yes, he still had depression, and yes, he still had anger. Not horrible anger like he did when he was drinking, but he had he had stuff that just really intimidated me. And so I'd get little. And when you get little, you disappear. So he's dealing with a ghost. He's dealing with a somebody that's not really there. He kept saying over and over again, he said, I just want to know you. I want to know what's happening in you and I couldn't go there I couldn't get there first of all I didn't know what was me and I couldn't share it. and he was getting more frustrated and I was getting more frustrated because you know we're coming at each other and, and we don't know how to solve this problem so he left I help him set up his house I am an Al-Anon you know you know, I got the sheets and the bed covers and all that stuff. You know, and I'm setting this house up for him. And we had decided we would stay uh, separated for six months. And um, after a few weeks, we realized that we had um, begun to make the problem the other person. You know, I'm little because you're so intimidating. Uh, he was saying, "You're removed because you're so stoved up." Uh, you know, I'm angry because I'm—I don't have a relationship here. I mean, you know, we were, it was all finger pointing, we separated, and we still had the same stuff. So um, we started dating each other, and that was awkward. <laughs> really awkward first date. You know, I'm sitting there like, "Hello, my name is Marie," and he's like, you know, and he's burning the dinner, and he's, you know, it's it's just weird. We got past that, <clears throat> um, and in six weeks, we he he said, "I really want to come back," and. Miraculously, I said, there are some things that I really need if you come back. And he said, there are some things I need if I come back. And we began to get honest with each other, uh, which was what was missing before. So we got back together. We have been back together, Mickey says, except for six weeks for bad behavior. And... Honestly, I don't know if we know whose bad behavior that was. You know? I mean, I would love to say, you know, oh, yeah, he was just a, a dry, alcoholic, you know, acting terrible. But uh, there were so many things inside of me that I wouldn't be able to live with them. You know? I, I um, there, it is no, It's not a matter of finger-pointing. It's a matter of this al AA dance or alcoholic codependent dance I don't know how to call it exactly but we were doing that and since then there is something there is a commitment we didn't have time to make the commitment in the, uh, when we first got married we had only known each other three months we didn't know each other at all and and so now we knew each other 12 years later are we going to commit to each other we did and that was really a, a turning point for us. So coming to believe and trust in a God uh, it is is a problem for most of us, I think. And as Daryl was saying, you know it's 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 not about. I know there's a God. Yeah, that's an easy one. Uh, the, the the visual that I have been told about, you know, uh, if you're on a tightrope above, you know, many stories and and you look at the tightrope and you say, yes, I know I can get across there. Uh, and even faith is you, you start going across. The trust is getting in the wheelbarrow with somebody else taking you across that's trust so the really really cool part about alcoholism is that you're forced to get in the wheelbarrow all the time (laughs) maybe not all the time 95% of the time and So we're, we're up against a wall and, and we talk a lot in our family about God speaks in walls, brick walls, because He stops us. He says, hey, what are you doing? You are really screwing up. And you get to go, you get to go whichever way you want to go. But hey, I'm over here. And we've had so many times when we've had to make that decision. Do we want to go towards God? Do we want to go away? Thank God we have, so far, made our decision to go in the direction of God, as far as we know. I mean, you know, you, the big question is, what does God want for me? Well, you know, try. And if he's if it's the wrong direction, he'll let you know. You know, with a two by four, typically. So, <clears throat> anyway, but it's the it's the attempt and it's the the desire to follow God's will that I think is honored by God. So, um, I did find a God of my understanding, and uh, and it's not Mickey's, but it's it is and it isn't. It's I. I don't have the same relationship with God as my sponsor or as Mickey or as, I am, I have a very, very specific, wonderful relationship with my God. I have a faith now and the faith feeds me and the program makes me available to be fed because if I didn't have the program, I think the opening in my heart would still be closed and still be, you know, just totally shut off and little. So I know that when I get little, I have stepped away from God. It's, it's really a great thing to have a defect of character that, that shows up and you know Automatically. Oh, I'm little. I'm feeling little. I've stepped away from God. It's, it's like one and one makes two. So, um, fourth step, I was, I don't know that I was scared about the fourth step. I was scared about the fifth step because, uh, again, I was, I was, uh, not, uh, I was not prepared to share any of my life with anybody. Uh, okay, so I let Mickey in a little bit here and there, but sharing intimately with my sponsor—you know—I could—I could—I could say the slogans, I could do all the, you know, what appeared to be the program, but sharing my life—you know—all the crannies was really, really intimidating. So the first fifth step I did I think was uh it was significant in the fact that I was willing to do it. The stuff that I had written was whatever, you know. And the strange thing is is that um, the very first um, piece of inventory that I did, and I don't know if anybody remembers their first piece of inventory, but the first piece of inventory I ever did was that my sister came to my grade school? She was in high school, and she came to my grade school, and she was mad at me, and she slapped me in front of my friends. And um, I was spending some time with my sister just a week ago, and I said, I said, I was telling her about program steps and stuff like that, which she's really not terribly familiar with, and and I said my first piece of inventory was when you came over and slapped me. And it broke her heart. She said, I would never have slapped you. And we start talking, and I realize that I have a very active imagination. <laughs> and that, that, you know, my feeling that she hated me, uh, ultimately, I believe, I translated that into her slapping me and and we got to talking and it was like i had never made amends for that i didn't i didn't see the harm cuz i just couldn't stand her anyway so i wasn't like specifically on that and so she and i got to like really talk about it and and i said you know the 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 other thing that really hurt me when i was young was that i was teased so badly and she said yeah you were teased badly we had this great coming together and and you know I, I would never have said this before but truth is like nectar i don't care if the truth is ugly and dirty and nasty but truth is nectar to the soul it just it's like you just breathe easy. Um, I remember early on, I can't remember where in the timeline, but Mickey came to me and he said, I don't like you very much. <laughs> and it was like, I, I can't explain the, the feeling, but it was like, he's telling me the truth. This is, this is so good there is real truth between the two of us right now and and it was uh, it opened up so much in our relationship to have this truth so it, it's, it goes totally against me as my little girl to say truth is nectar to the soul but I, I have changed I have changed through this program this program has has transformed me I still have a lot of defects just ask Mickey he has a list of them I think (laughs) of course I have a list of his too so let me see where did I stop six I I went to my sponsor I was scared to death I told her stuff you know and it was nonplussed you know it was whatever and uh, and I went on and um, eight and nine um, I've had a, a real problem with it like I said before I, I would cry in eight and nine step meetings I'd just cry I mean I wouldn't ever share uh, years and years and years and years I didn't understand that my behavior affected other people, because it was all between my ears. My stuff was quiet, private, and uh, I didn't throw things. I didn't steal any money. I never yelled at anybody. I was absolutely little and a shadow. Okay, so I I didn't see the effect I had on the people around me I, I see the effect on Mickey especially on my children there are some times when I really still have a problem seeing the effect that my uh, disappearing has on other people um, I'm going to flip over to 10 step because I don't have that much time left uh, Tenth step is a uh, magic wand. Um, Mickey and I work together twenty-four-seven. We make custom cowboy boots. I am uh, uh, his apprentice of sorts, and I'm learning more and more and more how to do this. And it's really interesting. Uh, it's really hard, um, but. The beautiful thing about it is that I have a 10-step partner 24-7. And we do a lot of it. And he'll stop in the middle of something and say, wow, I'm really scared. I'm really afraid and I'm da-da-da-da-da. I'll do the same thing, Uh, you know, just talk to somebody, I'm really angry. I'm really insecure about this, and you know and, and we do ten step continually and but it is it's something that that many people don't understand. They think it's inventory. you sit down and you write about it and and honestly, I find its power god's power in the tenth step by doing it immediately when something's happening Now I meet with my sponsor. And I've heard other people say, and I don't typically say this just because it's tradition, or whatever. I have a spon- i sponsor. I have a sponsor that I meet with weekly. She has a sponsor that she meets with weekly. On and on. It's very, very important. I took a break from being sponsored for a while. Not a good idea. Um, we believe too many of the lies. You know, we walk around with a million lies. We believe them and, uh, they're not typically very good. So, 10th step is a way of keeping in touch with the lies that I'm trying to incorporate in my life and, and make real. And they're not. So, 10th step is something that if you're not doing, I promise you, it is, uh, a blessing and God is the power love can be a good power or a bad power because it will it will fill us up or it will make us disappear alcoholism Is a good and bad thing. Uh, I, I am grateful, almost every day, sometimes not, but mostly every day, for alcoholism. Alcoholism in my life because it was the brick wall that stopped me. Uh, I can, I can. Mickey and I play a game. You know, what if you and I had never met? And. I had a guy who asked me to marry him who was the most boring guy in the whole world. I could have done that. I could have been sitting there in my living room with lots of money and lots of things around me and I could be still dead. And alcoholism just threw my world upside down and said... What you're doing is not good, is not fulfilling you and me, and you're not doing for me what I would like you to do. What he wants me to do, I believe, is to be a light for the few people in my circle that I can say, hey, you know, there's something more. There's something that that God can bring you to individually. You're not going to look like me. You're going to look like you. You could be more you the way God wanted you to be, the, with a job that God wanted you to have. And it's, you know, to me, I think the promise, and I can't quote it, but I will feel useful. I was not useful. I was... Empty. You can feel useful because the best entity in the whole world, God, can bring you to where He wants you to be. Um, I don't choose to speak very often. I, you know, it's it's nerve wracking, but I find it really focuses me on examining again what has happened over the years in my life. And, you know, it's in a way that I I wouldn't typically uh, examine my life. You know, a lot of times I just say, God, I have such a nice life. I'm just really grateful. Thank you. But what it's done, again, is give me kind of perspective on what it was like what happened, what it's like now and so I am so grateful, especially to Susan and Betty, they have kept in touch with me so regularly, and to the committee, and uh, to this whole group, and I'm really glad it's not the whole group (laughs) that was a big group last night Um, and and It gives me a chance to be me, as fallible as I am. I'm not little anymore. I'm not huge, but I'm not little. That is a miracle. So thank you, everybody.